Hello friends, one size fits none. Sweb here. I want you to know before we get started that this is probably the seventh or eighth time I've recorded this intro or tried to record this intro. But you know what? This is gonna be the one. I'm not looking for perfection, but certain things just annoy me. Does that happen to you too? Is that how you're leading your church? I'm just curious. How many times do you start? stop, restart again, because you don't like how it sounds, but at the end of the day, people don't really care. They just want to move forward. Anyway, that's a message in and of itself, but I digress. 28 seconds in, let me tell you, we're talking to Jeremy Woods today, good friend of mine from uh, North Carolina. He's actually in South Carolina now, and he'll tell you that story, of course, but uh, we met in Cullowee. Y'all don't know where that is. You got to Google it. Uh, Cullowee, North Carolina, uh, I think over a decade ago, and uh, Jeremy has a, has a good church plant story and was a pastor at a large church before that. And, you know, again, you'll hear that. But what I really appreciate about Jeremy is his intentionality behind his words. He chooses words very carefully. Uh, he has a very uh, memorable way of saying things. He, he has uh, values and, and uh, principles that he can speak in a portable fashion. It's really challenged me over the years. Uh, I've learned a lot from how he communicates, and, and uh, yeah, I think you're going to be challenged by it, but also uh, encouraged by it. So pay attention. Jeremy Woods, one size fits none. All right, another episode, one size fits absolutely no one. That's the extended version of the title of this very well-named Austin, very well-named podcast. <laughs> and I like, by the way, how everybody talks about it uh, naturally in their episode. But uh, so, hey, well done, dude. I'm going to give you a pay raise for that name. Hey, uh, please all do. The you can have all the royalties. How about that? All the royalties hey. we're getting from this. Uh, you heard it here first, folks. Um, all right. So, hey, today we're here with my friend Jeremy Woods. By the way, Jeremy, I don't know if you ever got called this as a kid. My mom made fun of me when I was a kid. We had a friend at church called Jeremy. But of course, as kids, we said Jeremy. And she got mad at yep. us because it's obviously negative. Yep. He's like, he's not dirty. He doesn't have germs. Stop that. And so I've been very <laughs> conscious since the age of eight years old to say Jeremy Woods or Jeremy anybody I know instead of yeah. Jeremy. So, um, so mm -hmm. Jeremy, um, I know at some point we'll get into how we know each other, but kick us off real quick, man. Where are you currently sitting? Uh, tell us, you know, your wife, family, give us just kind of the vitals, man, of, of who you are. Yeah. Thanks for having me guys. Mm -hmm. So I am sitting in Myrtle beach, South Carolina, and we have, uh, an office suite that we leased a couple of months ago, uh, as a way of just bringing our team together and, really going further faster. We realized that if we could all be together in the same place, it was just going to give us synergy. And so here we are. I can share a little bit more about uh, how we ended up here, but um, married to Victoria. We've been married for almost 11 years. Wow. She's my best friend. She's my gift from God. And we have a four-year-old daughter. Her name is Eleanor Bell. Yes. And we are expecting a baby boy at the end of August. 2022, depending on when you're listening to this. So. Well, Austin is a um, expert uh, boy dad. Austin, if you yeah. have any boy expert advice you want to give Jeremy right now is the time. You could do that. Yeah, I wow. do. I do. Bring I, it on. I have some great advice. Throw them against the wall at least once a day. Uh, <laughs> when, yep. when they start sticking, then you know it's time that you stop throwing them against the wall. That's <laughs> That's all the advice I have. And if you you're listening to this, this you're not you're not watching. You're not watching, and Jeremy's face looked disturbed. <laughs> yeah. No, we wrestle every day. Though. Yeah, a little I love puzzle. It. Yeah, I, I would say I yeah, would agree with no, that. Yeah, you have to wrestle. Great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, all right, but hey, listen, it's not a dad podcast. We're all expert dads, but we'll save that for another show. Um, all right, so my version of the story of how we met Jeremy is um, I went to a big, bad, evil church. You went to a, a big, large, successful church. We Our paths were going to cross based on the two ministries we were spearheading in a college town. And I got, I don't remember how you got my number or email or how that even worked out. But bottom line is you reached out to me and said, hey, what the heck, man? We want to collaborate. Why, why the heck is a Charlotte church way over here in the mountains? Who even does that? And then we connected, um, I think on a phone call, I'm walking around my little teeny tiny one bedroom apartment at the time and um, talking on the phone mm-hmm. with you. And then, uh, but, you know, came out and visited later to, to do some work for said ministry. And then I feel like you and I hit it off, man. We've been friends. I feel like that's literally more yep. than a decade ago. Um, was that 2011, yep. 2012, somewhere in that frame. And, um, man, we've been mm-hmm. friends for a while, but that was when you were at a church in Asheville, North Carolina, and now you mm-hmm. have planted and are still in the process of growing that one over in Myrtle beach. But you know, any, anything I left out, any, any sore stories about me you want to throw in there about how we met or any of that kind of stuff? <laughs> oh man. I, I think that over the past decade, so much of the just good things that people say, oh, that's good. I need to write that down. When in doubt, I just credit it to the web. So uh, that is good practice. That's just been a pattern uh, over the years. But uh, man, I just remember there was something stirring in the mountains of Cullowee, North Carolina, that Elevation was uh, spearheading. And we were two rooms down with a ministry that uh, I was entrusted to lead. And we just overlapped. And it was one of those I think it was a watershed moment relationally because, I mean, you don't just stay connected meaningfully to someone for 10 years unless there's a shared heart. So, I I mean, I would say that the shared heart is there and the friendship is has been great. Yeah, no, I agree, man. I've learned a lot from you. So this will be this will be good. So um, so I'm excited to have you on. I told you why, obviously, before we record. But um, I just think you're one of the more quotable Mm -hmm. guys that I've talked to. Uh, I think that when it comes to just the basic knowledge and information of who you are and what you do. You're an expert on you. And I appreciate that. And not a lot of people can say that about themselves. It's funny. I know that kind of may even sound just weird to say, but a lot of people have good ideas that they're borrowing from somebody else. But something that's challenged me about you is I feel mm-hmm. like you know you. Um, and you know your story of your mm-hmm. church plant and your leadership. Here's what I'm good at, what I'm not good at. Here's where I'm focused and why I'm focused this way. So I'm excited over the next, you know, I don't know, 30, 45 minutes or whatever to dive into more of that reality. But before we do, man, start us with, uh, you know, your story. You went from Asheville to Myrtle Beach. Give us the, you know, four mm-hmm. or five minute cliff note version of how you got from leading at a large church at a high level for a while. And you're welcome to name drop as long as you got good things to say about your pastor and church. And then, um, <laughs> you know, and then obviously bring us to your current church where you are, Myrtle Beach. Yeah, for sure. So I was playing basketball at Pfeiffer University uh, in it's outside of Albemarle, North Carolina, about an hour oh, wow. from Charlotte. And that was back in 2007. And that was really where um, the good news of the gospel moved from my head to my heart. Hmm. And I surrendered to Jesus in my dorm room. And the the point when I knew that I was a Christian, <laughs> that I meant it, and that this wasn't just like some firework faith was I wanted God. I wanted to read my Bible. I wanted to share with my peers. And so next thing I know, I go from being uh, in the nightclubs of Charlotte to leading a Bible study in commons rooms. <laughs> and it wasn't a sudden gear shift for me. I think I literally realized I was a Christian 
in uh, Alley Cats nightclub in Charlotte my freshman year because I started thinking, I don't really belong here. (laughs) And I should be having more fun than I am. And so that led me down a trajectory to where I just fell in love with the word of God. And uh, I was willing to risk rejection uh, to get that word to my teammates. And I ended up having the privilege to lead quite a few of my teammates uh, to Jesus. Mm. And just the, the, the flame was lit in me. And I ended up uh, spending a couple years there at Pfeiffer, played basketball, served as a peer chaplain and led a Bible study. And God was stirring a primitive calling in me that I didn't know what to do with. Quite frankly, I felt like Moses running from Egypt on his way out, he kills a guy. It's like, be careful what you do with that passion. And so I was trying to figure out what does this look like? And so I ended up moving back to Asheville, North Carolina. That's where I'm from and uh, plugged into a great church there in uh, Asheville, North Carolina, Biltmore Church, um, love Biltmore, uh, love Dr. Bruce Frank. Uh, he just brought me under his wing, mentored me, invested in me. And um, that led to, uh, I was volunteering at the doors and uh, basically there every time the doors were open and that led to some opportunities. Uh, someone told somebody that I like to preach. And so they let me preach one time at like a singles event. Hmm. <laughs> and so that ended up uh, just being kind of a domino um, for most of the good things that have come into my life were delivered to me through that season. Cool. Uh, and through that step to show up to Biltmore, sit under a pastor who I felt like had a heart like Jesus and a backbone of steel. Mm-hmm. And I said, I could follow that guy. I respect that guy. I I want to follow Jesus that like like he does. Uh, and so I ended up being hired as a college director, um, was ordained there, uh, and entrusted with the ministry uh, to college students for the next five years. And we saw some really cool things. Mm-hmm. Was that's where I met Sweb. Uh, we ended up taking the ministry off of the broadcast campus for Biltmore, uh, and going to the university campus of Western Carolina uh, University. And we saw, we saw a movement. It was incredible what happened from grassroots ground up to see. um, We saw a couple hundred students baptized over the course of about five years and just some really cool things. And then um, that was where uh, during that season at the beginning, I met my wife and we were investing in college students, had a, a lot of funny stories and fun memories and that led to uh, the next five years, so 10 years, um, I served as one of the campus pastors uh, at Biltmore. There was a church that was dying and declining in kind of a, an inner city context, and uh, they just said, hey, what we're doing is not working, and we're ready for God to come back to church. And we see uh, the evidence of his presence all over Biltmore, and so uh, we want to explore the possibility of, uh, it wasn't a merger in the sense that it, the two became a different church. It was a full full treatment adoption. Mm-hmm. Uh, Biltmore uh, was was given the keys and entrusted with the mission moving forward. And I got to be the campus pastor there for five years, saw some good things. Uh, year three as a campus pastor uh, of, um, so this would be year eight on mm-hmm. staff, uh, God started really pressing pressing into my heart some really scary questions. Um, do you, Basically, what you say at your baptism, uh, I will go where you send me. I'll do what you ask of me. You're my king. You're my rescuer. Basically, he pressed in and said, is that still the case? Because I want to send you. 
And so there was a holy discontent that began to form in my heart. And I started sharing that with Victoria, my wife. We were scared to death and didn't really know what that meant. And that led us down a path that led us to plant. And here we are. um, Yeah, here we are, Coastway Church in Myrtle Beach and having a lot of fun. That's amazing. That that's what what a what an incredible story, especially mm-hmm. like 10, 10 years. That's a long time on staff right. anywhere for yeah. any mm-hmm. job in any organization. Mm-hmm. And I'm just curious because there's pastors mm-hmm. listening to this that maybe they're church planters and they're not near 10 years old yet, but one day they will be. Mm-hmm. How, how did your pastor get mm-hmm. and keep you for 10 years? Yeah. Mm. Uh, I, I felt like I had a, a sense of purpose. And that I had the opportunity to continue to honestly advance in my calling. And um, that was evident when when my lead pastor came to me and said, hey, I would like for you to serve as one of our campus pastors. That was the next kind of step in uh, maturing in my calling and getting the necessary experience that I needed just to, to be a good pastor. And at that point, I didn't know that I, we were being called to plan. I just knew that we were making a difference. Uh, the church was was teaching and preaching the Bible faithfully, mm. was baptizing people. Um, and really, when you, when you look at like disciple making outputs of are we seeing the evidence of God's presence in this church? We, it was invariably yes. And I was like, man, I want to set my sails where the wind of the Holy Spirit is breathing and blowing. And there's no other place where... <laughs> where I see him doing that more, where I have the opportunity to be a mm. part. So that was the short of mm. it. So when you're like, I like how you put that, by the way, it's the things you say at your baptism. Is that still true? I thought that was an interesting way to put that. Um, I got, I, I wonder what your thought is. Does everybody, is everybody asked or told something similar and you're the only one that listens or did God tell you that specifically? Um, I think a lot of people probably have this like bad pizza feeling at night that says, I think God's calling me somewhere or it could be the bad pizza joke. Right. Mm. Um, you know, what was different about you? Cause again, to, to Austin's point, you're at a great church doing great things. It's a large church. I mean, you have stable income. Um, you know, it's, it's a sort of predictable mm-hmm. success and, and you are you know making a difference there. Um, and that you've reached this like 10 year point, so to speak, uh, there. And then you're like, no, I, I, mm-hmm. I think we should completely up, uproot and move somewhere else. Like, um, was it as easy as you make it sound, uh, or did, did you really wrestle with it? Like, how how do you feel? Give us some of those feelings right there. Uh, to be it, yeah, that's a great question. So, to be able to share the story that I just shared took three years mm. of processing, mm. of praying, of preparing. Uh, and so, if you read the Book of Acts, how does the Holy Spirit speak to people? And you don't have like a blueprint. He does it in different ways. Sometimes it's, man, I am compelled by the Holy Spirit to go to this new city, to go back to Jerusalem, as Paul would say in Acts 20. Um, But we don't know exactly how did the Holy Spirit say that? How did he say in Acts 16, go and plant the healthiest church in the New Testament, the church at Philippi? Um, I I think it happens through a a confluence of uh, the clarity of Scripture, uh, the counsel of the church, and uh, the calling that is unique to your uh, wiring. How has God wired you? <laughs> and also, how has God wounded you? I think sometimes we just go to, well, I'm an extrovert or an introvert. But also, uh, 
for God to use you greatly, he's got to, he's got to wound you deeply. Mm. And over the course of my life, over the course of 10 years, there's been these unique moments where I'm like, man, God, you allowed me to be wounded in ways that will be a testimony to others. Mm. And now I, I think the difference is I invited God and I said, God, I want you to heal me mm. so that the wounds become scars and the scars can become a story and it can be uniquely expressed through what you've put in me and who you've put around so, me. So stop right there. That, that's one of the wiser things that we've heard so far on any podcast of this particular show. Get Turn that into a direction for people listening right now. The, the wounding part, um, like you're not, you, yep. you just got yep. done telling us about it for you, but turn it into a teaching, a direction, yep. a challenge for people. Yeah, ab- absolutely. The challenge is, hey, your scars are your story. Mm. And when Jesus appears to his disciples, the first thing he does with Thomas, who didn't believe, who had a hard time with what he'd said the whole time was, uh, well, I got to see the scars. Mm. And so Jesus says, here you go, Thomas, take a look. Everything that I told you is true. And I think it's in the scars that God allows us to accumulate over the years that we learn the story he wants us to tell Mm. about him. So I would say, where have you been wounded? Mm. Uh, Where has life wounded you? And has that wound, have you invited God to come through and heal you um, and heal you in a way to where that wound's now a scar and that scar can tell a story? Uh, and I could I could go on about it. You know, every Christian's called to be a, a wounded healer. But the problem is, I think we often stop at wounded. Mm. We never get the help. We never get the healing. And so we make life about ourselves and we sit and sulk and feel sorry for ourselves. But God's calling you to be a part of something bigger and you got to heal before you can help. That's real mm. helpful, man. That's real good. Yeah. Mm. Um, I don't know how we got there, but <laughs> no, I'm glad we, I'm I would glad say we, your scars are your story. No, that's good. That, no, that's real good. I, I like that we got into a sermon right there rather than church planning practical stuff. This is really helpful, man. Uh, and I'm with you. I, that's interesting because I think a lot of people do start in this context of church planning. I think a lot of people do start a church based on I want to do it different. I want to not be that pastor. I want to do it to get this particular yeah you know, whatever. I want, I want to fill a hole that I wasn't there. I wasn't famous there. So I can go start a church and be famous here. I didn't make enough money there. So therefore I should make more money here, you know, or, or, or I want to make decisions mm-hmm. that I didn't get to make there. So that to me, that is all in that wounded context. I think that's just a real helpful, if we stopped right there, I think you just helped everyone listening, even if they're not a church planner. I thought that was really, really helpful. Um, yeah. man, I'd love to, okay. What you go, you're going to say something, Jeremy. So I was, I think that that kind of leads to, uh, the the next plot movement was yeah. I was looking at the the clarity of of scripture the counsel of the church and the calling that has been delivered to me and that's been delivered to anybody who's listening here through your your wirings and your wounding mm-hmm. and so what happened for me how did I hear that God was calling us to a new place that we had never been that we didn't know anybody mm. um, or that we had never spent like a, a whole lot of time in. Um, it was through kind of the confluence of clarity of scripture, uh, personal calling, and the counsel of the church. Mm, that's crazy. Yeah. All right, so let's let's jump into that then. Let's keep moving. You're in Myrtle Beach now. Um, Coastway, yep. Coastway is the name of your church. How'd you, you know, again, give us a short version here because I wanted to get into some of the details in a minute. But like, how, how'd you pick 
everything, the name, the city. Uh, you're telling me it's one of the fastest growing cities in the country, which I feel like every city has had that title at some point <laughs> in the last 24 months. But, yeah. um, but yeah. you know, again, you, you went from the mountains yeah. to the beach. Talk us through that real quick. Sure. So uh, Coastway, uh, essentially, how did we land on the identity of the church mm-hmm. is we wanted to be contextual. We wanted to be simple. And this is going to sound this is going to sound silly, but we just wanted to have a name that people were going to have a hard time making fun of because there's enough <laughs> jokes that are getting like leveled against churches. Dude, and I was like, I love, right, well. I love that idea. That's actually really intelligent <laughs> wisdom yeah. right there. <laughs> so I don't know. There's, I'm sure you could make a joke out of anything, but we just were like, how could it just be simple, contextual and biblical and uh, contextual? We're on the yeah. coast. Biblical. Jesus is the way of the coast. So we landed on Coastway. How did we get here? So there was there was a lot that built up to this. I can I can swipe up on any of this if we need to. Yeah. But essentially, uh, God put a missional criteria on our hearts that mm-hmm. we feel like was from Him. Number one, we wanted to be in a rapidly growing context. Uh, number two, we wanted to be in a place where there was a glaring spiritual need, and number three, we wanted to be in a place where there was a major university, mm-hmm. and we believe that. The church planters of tomorrow are on the universities of today, and we wanted to be uniquely positioned to invest in sending out Mm. uh, for the future. And so that was how we ended up here in Myrtle Beach. And, you know, you you ought to be I think I feel like if you're a church planter, you ought to be able to talk about your city with anybody in about 10, 10 minutes or so. And they'll be Mm -hmm. like, this is the one place Mm -hmm. like this is where a church needs to be planted. And. If you Google U.S. news, fastest growing cities in the country, Myrtle Beach is going to be number one. Hmm. Um, There's a lot of reasons behind that, Hmm. but essentially 1,500 people are moving here every month, and uh, subdivisions are growing faster than local churches. And we believe that if the city is taking responsibility for the infrastructure of the growth, then the kingdom of God must take responsibility for the infrastructure of the kingdom. Hmm. And it just so happens that he enlisted us to do that here. So uh, Coastal Carolina University is here, a major uh, university that's growing rapidly here on the coast. uh, And people are not coming here to worship Jesus. They're coming here to have a good time and uh, have some stories to tell. Mm. So uh, 75% are, are, uh, they don't know God as father or the church as family or Jesus as king. And so that's, that was really it from a missional standpoint. It just made a lot of sense. Mm. So I'm curious, uh, well, tell the people, when when did you launch? Yeah, so there was there was so much that, that built up to September 19th, which was opening Sunday for us. Of 2021? And, uh, 2021, yes. Okay, all right. So I'm curious uh, if, you know, you choose Myrtle Beach because of the college age uh, demographic. That's great. Love that. And you said... And repeat it for the people because I'm going to butcher this. But you said that the church planners of tomorrow are the college students of today. Is that right? So, yeah. So then, what did you do to reach that age? Because we talk to people all the time that are just, it's like, man, we're Mm -hmm. not reaching that age, the 20 something. So, what what have y'all done specifically in pre launch? to say, man, we want them a part of our team, our core group, mm. launch team, whatever you called it. How'd you do that? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, well, uh, great question. Uh, the short of it is we are we are a church for college students. We're not a church of college students. Yeah, that's a good yeah. distinction. And I think that sometimes it's like, well, that's the college church. And I mean, we there's churches who have college students like with with them who and churches that are just made up of college students and then churches that are for college students um, a, as a part of a bigger multi-generational vision. And that's, that would be how we aspire uh, for our people to look is uh, a church for college students that's enmeshed into a multi-generational uh, vision. And so what went into seeing college students be a part of our church and what we're doing about that is we started with clarifying the vision and we wanted to cast a vision that was going to move uh, the younger generation to say, I could make a difference here. And I could, uh, I could see myself giving myself to the vision uh, that this church has, and it has to involve them. And so what we did early on is uh, when we were inviting people to be a part of our launch team that moved with us, we were very intentional to invite recent college graduates uh, who had a heart for the mission of God and wanted to do something about that in a place that was strategic for the mission of God. So we started with having like recent college graduates who had a passion for college students mm -hmm. join our mm -hmm. team. And that was kind of like the windfall from there um, and trying to just have an intentional strategy for being on campus and being present among the mm -hmm. students so that they would say, Hey, I want to be a part of these, uh, this people and this vision. Yeah. Um, okay, I want to I want to jump now into more of the team stuff because you yep. were real clear and um, man, I, again, I took a lot of notes from some memos you sent me a year ago on how you did what you did. Let me read. I think for everybody else, what I had written down. I think I sent you a memo a year ago that said, "How did you mobilize a team of twenty five? I said twenty five. I think that was the number at the time and raise a budget of two hundred seventy five thousand. Again, those were old numbers. Um, and then you kind of just spoke to that from the intentionality you put into your college answer to Austin's question. So Mel, go go through that. I thought when you were telling me this, and I think this will hopefully be really helpful for everybody else. Um, but you're very methodical, very intentional. You were very clear on your expectations. I think you had a really high bar. <laughs> and I love that. That's very rare. Yeah, so just did. walk us we through did. like, all right, we're gonna start a church. We're going to we're going to Coastway. Our name is not gonna be made fun of. You got all those things checked off the list. Now we've got to somehow get people to go or set a standard for the people who we think are, are supposed to go, what they're supposed to do. So start yeah. start there and tell us what you did and how you thought through that. So every church planter, whether we realize it or not, we have a philosophy of ministry, Good. which is what we do about what we believe. Mm. And so what do you do about the belief that the good news of Jesus needs to go forth, specifically through the vehicle of church planting, which if you read the New Testament, it's plan A and it's it's plan primary. So I would start with why do you why is that personal for you and where does that start for you? Hmm. And so it's for me, my philosophy of church planting is that. Uh, teams of people sent by churches plant churches. Mm. Teams of people sent by churches plant churches. And so a call to go was a call to prepare. Mm. And so 
I had that conviction that if I was going to plant a church, it was going to be through the affirmation of my current church and uh, by inviting other churches to basically do the proverbial laying on of hands. We, we affirm, we approve. This is not you breaking up with a church. This is, this is not, hey, you're, you're sad, you're mad. This is, you're glad. Mm. And it's because you're glad in the gospel that you're going to go forth. And so I went to my leaders uh, probably 18 months before I was sent out. And I said, hey, here's what the Holy Spirit's stirring in my heart. Can you affirm mm. this? Um, can, you, can you confirm that this is from God? Because if he wants to send members, he's going to send a group message. It's <laughs> not just going to be some rogue vision that comes to me and I go and announce it to my leaders. It's going to be, I've, I've lived among you. you. You've overseen me for 10 years. Can you tell me if this is, if this is the bad pizza or if this is the Holy Spirit? Mm, <laughs> and yeah. so wow. when I sat down, they said, we've, we've seen this on you for a long time and we want to send you. Wow, yeah. And so let's start an intentional process for that. And so that led to uh, basically the anatomy of, of all that goes into preparing to plant a church. Uh, and so I, I needed to have the blessing of my sending church before I was going to go, before mm. we were going to be, be sent, because we couldn't do this with our own resources. We couldn't do this in our own strength. We were going to need a lot of help. And so uh, Biltmore ended up uh, being our sending church. And we are, we, Biltmore is good friends with another influential church in the Raleigh-Durham area called the Summit Church. And the Summit has a collaborative of churches called the Summit Collaborative and a high investment, high return, uh, high impact church planting residency mm -hmm. that's nine months. And so I applied to be a part of that with the blessing of my sending church. And so now I had a sending church and a training church. Mm. And so the wave is starting to build mm. for us to be able to take people with us. But it all started with, I'm not going to go and headhunt under like in the shadows. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to do this the right way. And I'm going to do it the way that you say I can or can't do it. <laughs> so mm. um, that led to... Uh, yeah, that led to the what I would call the big four for preparing to plant. Uh, number one, build a team. Uh, number two is identify a planning partner. Number three is fundraise. And number four, which probably starts first, is clarify the vision. Mm. And so we, had, we felt like the vision was being clarified because we were being trained and God had put something legitimate in us. Then it was to your question, Sweb. Uh, and if I get off the tracks here, this you just real helpful. stop me. Keep it up. And we, we can retool. Good. But uh, I would say by, by this point, the vision is clear enough for me to do something about it. And I, I joke about Moses on the way out of Egypt when he kills the Egyptian. <laughs> um, what, what that was is that was, that was a primitive vision that he acted on prematurely. Yeah. Because if you, if you fast forward, he comes back and he does something about that undisciplined passion, but it took a process of preparation. Good. And so I was like, how am I going to, how am I not going to be Moses on the way out of Egypt, but how can I be Moses on the way into mm -hmm. Egypt? Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. And so what, uh, what ended up happening with building the team was God, I was like, what is a vision that's unique to Coastway and how can we do something about it? And so it ended up being what we call the 2550 vision. Mm. 
if God is calling us, God is calling others. So I, I started praying, and it all starts with prayer. God, would you put it on the hearts of 25 adults to put their yes on the table, to plant with us, and then put their yes on the map with us in Myrtle Beach? And so over the course of a lot of just a process, um, we saw 25 adults mm. um, go all in and move with us. And how did we do that? Well, it started with interest is we wanted to join the conversations that God was already having with hearts instead of trying to force the conversations or make it about salesmanship. Mm. Uh, I've never been a salesman. I don't view myself as a salesman. I know that there is a persuasive prowess yeah. that is essential to uh, planting, but I think that's more of the gospel than it is a sales mm. pitch. Um, and so I just said, how could I strategically put myself in a position to talk to people who are already interested mm -hmm. in making a big difference uh, through church planting. And so that was like August to March of like August of 2020. So we're in the, like just the swell of the pandemic mm -hmm. when, when we're planting and then all the way to March, 2021. And the process, I can give you four, four words yeah. uh, to think through the progression. Number one was interest. Uh, number two was interview. Number three was invitation, and number four was inspiration. And there's a little bit underneath each of those uh, that I can yeah. that I can chase down if it's helpful. I'm, I'm interested in interview. So yeah. you, because the interest, yeah. I get that. The inspiration, I get that. The third one, what was the third one? Uh, the invitation. Inv invitation, I get that. But I'm I'm interested in the interview. Will you share more yeah. on that? Absolutely. And that's where um, something that we we just wanted to be clear about up front is that we're going to be a church that doesn't apologize yeah. for calling people to commitment mm -hmm. um, early, mm -hmm. sacrificially. And I feel like that's a part of my wiring is that it's kind of an all or nothing. Yeah. <laughs> it's and I've I've had to be sanctified in that over the years and learn like meet people where they are and, and everybody has a next step yeah. and that might not be the step that you want it to be for them. So essentially, the interview in in involved uh, a clear audit of both character and calling Good. because we wanted to make sure that we were taking the right people. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to make sure that by the right people, it's, we have a shared heart. And are we going to agree on the philosophy of ministry? Yeah, question. Because a lot of the times I think we confuse theology of ministry yeah. with philosophy Great. of ministry. And we just say, well, we believe the same things about the most important things so we can plant a church together. <laughs> and False. my blowback to that is, False. yeah, but, but we don't believe the same things about uh, about what we do about what we That's believe. Right. Yeah. Uh, you, you might think that the group's model needs to be this. And I'm over here saying that's not where we're right. going. And if we don't talk about that before you pick up and move five hours away, we're all going to be buttonheads. Yeah. So question, and question. So, the context of these four eyes, uh, you must be Baptist, bro. Okay. So <laughs> I love this. Um, I, I, I background with me too. Okay. So anyway, the context though is not just with people you meet at Myrtle Beach. The context is people that are uprooting their life and moving. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. yep. Okay. All right. Yeah. So we're not even to Myrtle Beach at this point. Okay. We are enlisting a, a Navy SEAL level yep. 
goer mm-hmm. who will be invited to a Navy SEAL level commitment. Mm-hmm. Uh, church planting is hard, man. And it takes so much blood, sweat, tears, and unity. Yeah. And so if we could prevent some of the the division or disagreement on the front end, I would rather lovingly and graciously say, this is not for mm-hmm. you. Yeah. And so the short of it is, that happened with about 11 people is I sat down and they would fill out uh, basically an application. And all of this came through the mediums of interest gatherings that were sponsored and communicated by our sending churches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and that was built more in summit. And so they gave us a platform and they gave us access to people who God was stirring to take steps. And through those interest gatherings, people would kind of funnel into, okay, well now I want to actually take the next step. Yeah. I'm not just here to see the fireworks. I'm here to actually walk in, walk in faith with this. And so they would fill out the application. Uh, it would be, a, I met individually and I, myself and my executive pastor, we still do this today. Anybody who goes through our next steps process has a sit down face to face with one or both of us. Uh, and we're doing the same thing still. And we're going to do that all the way throughout year one, because um, your first 30 are going to be your next 300. Yeah. And we want the next 300 to be shared heart. So, um, so, so yeah. I, I kind of skipping ahead a little bit into where you are now. You had those 25 some mm-hmm. odd move with you. You had the interviews, all the things. And it sounds like, I mean, man, you had a, a layer of intentionality that most church plants do not have. Because right. most people are like, man, I just need anybody and everybody. Yeah. Don't care what you say, think, believe. Yeah, for sure. Come on. Um, if you're pregnant, that's even better. We'll count that number too. <laughs> so yeah. that's what most church planners do. You took another level of intentionality. And I'm, I'm curious if you're willing to get vulnerable. Um, how many of your launch team, core group, whatever you called that, how many of them left anyway? Because the stats say that they're going to leave anyway. And I'm wondering if your intentionality prevented that. So ask that question another way. I want to make sure. Yeah. Did it Does, work? Did they, did they all did it stay? Work? Or, are yeah. they still there? Are they, are they running oh, okay. the church or, yeah. you know, 11 yep. of them left and you got 14 or what, whatever? Yeah, 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 totally. Um, so what we have seen about five fall off the wagon since we mm-hmm. moved. And uh, then we've had we've had some people who since we there's people who moved with us and people who have met us since we moved. And so the 25 are the people who moved. The 50 are the people who we prayed that we would meet. And we're still in the process of doing that. And so, yeah, there has been some fallout and uh, nothing ugly, uh, nothing like divisive, but just I think that there were some, there was maybe some undisciplined passion uh, on the front end that when met with the headwinds of commitment and our context, just it didn't mesh. And that's fine. No hard feelings. Love, love everybody that moved with us still. So you still, 20 of the 25 are still blowing and going Coastway sharing the gospel, all the nine yards. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. They're all in with us and we're, uh, yeah, we're moving forward with, uh, those others. That's good. Um, can I, I just want to read a couple of quotes, man, just to, this is a commercial break. Essentially at some point in time, you told me, um, 
And I thought this was good insight and feel free to just riff off of these and just kind of go somewhere if you want. But if not, I could just sit here and read a couple of quotes from you. Yeah. You said, don't make it about an individual's feeling, but an entire city's future. I love that. A lot of people won't say yep. no to somebody uh, because again, it's the hard confrontation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in this case, you're even saying no to like Austin saying, we just need warm bodies is the typical MO for a church planner. Um, sure. But you're saying, man, no, I'm, it's not about your feeling or even mine for that. It's it's an entire city's future. I, I thought that was a really wise, yep. big picture thing to think. Um, and then right after that, you had told me, you know, this is a good one that I feel like a lot of people probably say, but I don't know. You seem to be one of the few people who've actually done it is what I want 30 more of this person on my team. We all like the one guy, but mm-hmm. 30 of them, that's a that's a big deal. And I'm, I'm the guy, by the way, I'm, I'm happy to say this. I don't know that a lot of people want 30 of me. Um, and I, I can admit that about myself even. So it's, it's interesting that you just had the clarity sure. and, and discipline to do that. And the last one that stuck out to me that I love is I think you're saying this to these people. If I'm going to stake my future on your calling, you better be clear about it. And I, I love that angle of it's, it, I'm, I'm trying to help you yep. out, but just so you know, I'm, you're not just investing in Coastway. I'm, I'm investing into you. And I just thought that was a really strong mature statement that i haven't heard a lot of people say so and again those are just three of the my favorite of many of your quotes that i felt like are just real helpful wisdom for any church planner of any age of any process right mm-hmm. now maybe you've already moved and you got 100 people coming yeah. i think those are still great sort of filter yeah. statements um before you just start raking mm-hmm. in the collection of interested people um i thought that was really helpful mm-hmm. yeah i think uh where that that comes from is having a vision for a decade and not just the next day. Mm -hmm. And if you're thinking like, I Hey, this city has a future. Mm -hmm. This context has a Mm -hmm. future and God is calling me to, to be a part of that future. Then that's a, there's a lot at stake there. Uh, You could hurt a lot of people. If you, if you go too soon and if you bring the wrong people Mm -hmm. and if you're not the right person, and none of us are perfect. We're all broken and undone, but we can all be pursuing mm-hmm. and we can all be pursuing after what, what really counts and what really matters. And that's what, that's what that's about is, Hey, are you pursuing the right things? Mm-hmm. And are, are you becoming the, the person that is going to reflect the character of Christ? Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I, th- I think it goes back to what is your scorecard? Right. Yeah. Like, how do you, how do you know you're winning? What, it, what is momentum? It's the shared sense that we're winning together mm-hmm. and it keeps me involved and I want to be a part. Mm. And so I think that winning is not, and this was just, I put a few, a few, uh, jotted a few notes down. And one was that you don't have to be a big church to make a big difference. Yeah, that's right. And by any numerical sense, like we're not a big church. We're seeing about a hundred people a mm-hmm. week. Uh, come to our our gatherings, and I, I would say our crowd cloud might be three fifty, four hundred people mm-hmm. on any given Sunday could show mm-hmm. up because they know about us, and we're trying to we're trying to make that as big as possible. Um, but you you really got to think about what is success mm-hmm. when when Jesus went to the cross and then he rose again. He had about a hundred and twenty, and if you look at what numbers does Jesus report at the end of his ministry before he ascends and to heaven and sends the Holy Spirit? It's like, well, it was the 5,000 who I fed over here. Mm-hmm. No, it was the 120. Mm-hmm. It was the 120 who moved the movement forward, not the people 
who wanted a, a quick payout. Mm. And so that was the mentality. And I understand not everybody that not everybody thinks this way. Not sure. everybody's going to have that same conviction or philosophy of ministry. I'm more so just personally responding to where does that idea come yeah. from? And like, how could you tell someone no when they're wanting to do something, uh, <laughs> when they're yeah. wanting to do something for God, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. Well, you're going to hurt yourself and you're going to hurt all of us in the process. I care too much about you to let you do that. So that was a little bit about where that came from. I love all that. Hey, all right, let's talk about money. Let's take all of that same intentionality you have and clarity and even sticky yep. statements. Let's put it into money because church planners want to yep. know how the heck do we get money. Sure. Now, right up front, you're not operating yep. with millions of dollars in the budget. We're not promising that or saying that. At the same time, you did raise a few hundred thousand dollars, I think, uh, raised slash com get committed. And you can clarify that in a second. I don't know where you land. But um, in a conversation you had a long time ago, you also had broken it up to where it even came from. So I'd love for you to give a, a kind of a short few minute masterclass of sorts of how you yeah. thought through fundraising yeah. and what to do with it. Now, let me also I'm, I want to say this mm -hmm. up front. Uh, we talked about to a good friend, Keith Waller. We did a podcast with him. I think his release this week uh, as we're listening to this. Anyway, and in that conversation, yeah. I think this was in the podcast. Um, we were talking about giving and I had picked on him one day. I was like, man, you've asked me a lot about, I was kind of a coach for him. And he, was, he I said, you've asked a lot about, you know, how to talk about giving and all these things, but you've never once asked me to give. And I picked on him for that. And he, he, he brought that up. And then, uh, but when he did finally ask, I actually sent him money. I was like, no, okay, great. And, you know, again, I didn't, I didn't yep. change the tra trajectory of his church, but the point is just ask, well, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, that's actually how you approached it. Um, you know, and you had said this through your interviewing process as well is like, man, the Holy Spirit's already having conversations with people. I just want to somehow align these conversations and then you make clear asks. Mm -hmm. So I just want to throw that in there to say, talk about that as well. Cause you, you did specifically ask me as somebody who's never even going to go to Coastway, um, to invest. And I, I love that angle as well. So that's just one little nugget I'd love for you to touch on during the process of this finance stuff. So start wherever you want on finances though, and kind of give us your thought process behind how you yeah. do it. Absolutely. So I'll, I'll offer the, the little bit that, that we've yeah. learned. Um, first of all, it's very important to define the relationship. Good. So you got to have the DTR with, uh, this applies to, uh, financial partners. This applies to your stakeholders, your members, uh, whatever you you call the people who are at the highest level of commitment. You got to do the DTR, mm. and people want to know up front. And Swev, this is something you've helped me a lot with: is just get to it. <laughs> yeah. Like say the plain thing. I've I've heard it said before that uh, one shot to the head's better than three to the stomach. Yeah, it's like just take <laughs> aim, go for it, and see what happens. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, that might be a first for fundraising uh, <laughs> strategy, but def define partnership. And there's two words. You know, you know how this works at this point. I'm not that smart. I got to make sure they all start with the That's same good. letter. That's so uh, number one is layers and levels of partnership. You need to have what are your layers and what are your levels? So layers, first of all, it's financial. Yeah. It's like, I, I, I want you to pray for me. I really do. I hope we can have a good rapport and be friends. I, I'm really praying that God would move you to worship with your wallet and invest in what <laughs> yes. we're doing. And so he, here's the first layer, financial. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the next is spiritual. Because, I mean, what church planner is going to say, I don't want you to pray mm -hmm. for me? Uh, no, no, no wise church right. planner is going right. to say that. Uh, prayer moves the hand that moves the world that has access to all the resources. Yeah. So 
you got you're going to ask for but what you're doing is you're 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 offering a holistic vision for what partnership is with the layers financial spiritual and then relational what's what is the value that this is going to add to that person are you going to invite them to be on a custom vision trip mm. are you going to let them bring their students on a mission encounter over the summer that you're going to help facilitate and try to light a flame for the mission of God when you go back like that's the relational side of hey come and see us or we're going to have a call and i would encourage you if you're if you're in the build up phase to to launching uh really think through financial spiritual and relational as the layers then there's the levels mm -hmm. the levels are what levels of giving am i asking people uh for and so we had three categories foundation that was like 5 to 10 legacy was 10 to 15 uh and this is 1000 yeah. um anchor would be like 16 to 20 mm -hmm. And it's like, hey, if you're in that anchor partnership level, you're gonna get a you're gonna get a custom uh, message from me once a month. And if you want me to come, or if I might even invite you to come, <laughs> um, and you basically get like uh, all access pass, and you kind of give them a like, oh, it's is this gonna be worth it? And some churches they don't even want it, like they don't even care about that. They just believe in you and they want to invest in you and what you're doing. And so great. Uh, but it's it's there. So define partnership with layers and levels. Next, you you come in close with your launch team and you let them know that uh, you you need them to do two things. We need them to mm -hmm. do two things: um, give and raise. So the first thing, and this was what those interviews were for, mm -hmm. that I did is: Are you ready to transfer your tithe? transfer your treasure from where you're giving now to where we're going next. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And if they said no, <laughs> that was a glaring sign to me that two years down the road, they're not going to be giving. Yeah. And that's probably, if you won't do it now, why would I, yeah. why would I believe that you're going to do it later right. on? I don't have the ability to change you and the Holy spirit might, but who knows? Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, I, that was clear is like, you're, are you ready? Like as soon as you get the invitation to join our team to transfer your tithe and your treasure uh, from where you're get stop giving where you are, start giving to where we're going. And so uh, that was uh, part of it. And then the other was I invited them to raise support for our church. And I think we ended up raising about $30,000 just from our launch team going out and asking their friends and family to give to this church that they're moving to be a part of. Yeah. And uh, I tried to set milestones. It's like, hey, what would be a personal best that you could go mm -hmm. for and that you could go out? Because if they bring their friends and family in, how much more invested do you think they're going to mm -hmm. be? How much more motivated are they going to be? Mm -hmm. And so uh, that was that was kind of how we went about it is we defined partnership and uh, with like strategic church partners, network partners. And then we enlisted our launch team to help us. Uh, help us raise the funds. And God really blew the roof off uh, in ways that just really humbled us. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're at a place right now, this is what I can share, is that member giving, mm -hmm. we have, and we, we have members as the highest level of commitment. That's not like everybody that we see on a Sunday. Uh, we have about 53 members. We're about to commission five more here in a couple of Sundays. And our member give, giving just with those 53 is twice what our partner giving is between seven partner churches. Mm. That's a lot. And so 
your best givers are the people in your church. Yeah, that's good. Go out and find the strategic partners. You need that fuel to get the rocket into sure, orbit. Sure, yeah. But that's not the future of your of your fundraising strategy. Yeah, yeah. It has to be the people in your church. And if you have 30 who start doing that, you're going to have 300 more who onboard doing that. That's right. And so that was kind of the, the model for us. Now, again, a stat. I'm just curious if I remember this correctly. I feel like I was floored by this. That's why this sticks out to me. I feel like you set a goal. I can't remember what your launch number goal was of money. But I I thought you basically hit it before you moved or something like that. You definitely hit it before you kicked off. Is that right? Yeah, we somehow, some way, is that, we, we Would did. you say your goal is and too so, small in that case? I'm just curious. Was was God that faithful? Have you continued to see that sort of like, I guess we'll call that momentum? Because that's substantial. Not many people were able to do it that way. Before you even moved to town, mm-hmm. that's what I'm saying. I think you did. So that's, that's substantial. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know that our goal was too mm-hmm. small. I think that the relationships were in place that needed to be Good. there. And I, I, I would just go back to... Um, you, you cannot do this on mm-hmm. your own. Um, none of us can, we're not that mm-hmm. good. None of us wear a cape. Nobody's omnicompetent or omni, mm-hmm. you know, omni capable. Like yeah. you got to have relationships. And that's like, I think the reason why we were able to do that is because I spent four years of plows in the ground, networking, mm-hmm. uh, bridge building and establishing trust so that when I went to ask, there was credibility. Yeah. And when I enlisted the team, they took ownership. Mm-hmm. And so we did it together. It wasn't something Jeremy did. It was something that the Holy Spirit did kind of started with Jeremy, but spread through our team. And uh, yeah, we, yeah, we, we ended 2020, um, 2021 in just a, a very healthy sure. place. We're not out of the woods. Of I'm still fundraising yeah, of course. and I'm still looking for financial partners outside of our church and inside of our, our church. We'll always of be course. doing that. But um, yeah, I, I would say that's a little commentary on how we did Great. it before we Very moved helpful. and how we've seen it catalyzed since we've been Great. here. Wow. So you've given us a lot of really good content, mm-hmm. a lot of really good quotes, uh, sticky statements. Uh, hopefully church planters have been taking lots of notes and they're going to be able to revisit a lot of this over and over and over again. And I'm just curious, has it, has it worked? So whatever your version of a win is, are there, are, are you, are mm-hmm. you, do you feel like God is moving? You got the momentum, it's working. And are there, the second part of that is, are there ever any, you know, Sunday morning coming down, you know, like Mondays <laughs> where you're like, frick, <laughs> Why do we leave Biltmore? Um, because we got a lot of good content, but I'm just like, yeah, boots on the ground. What's happening? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. Or just a resounding yes to the man. It's been a good run. Uh, this is, this has been fun, but uh, and that's that's that has nothing to do with the the confidence of in the calling. It's more of like some days I wake up and I'm like, can I do this? Yeah. Like, can I, can I bring another message that's going to add value yeah. to the lives of these people who mm-hmm. are looking to me, who moved, uh, put so much trust in what God put in me? And 
Yeah, I just I get emotional thinking about it because that's so real. Mm-hmm. That's that's lived experience. And you you have to go back to what is success. And success is for more people in more places viewing their lives as a replay of the life of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that is our our measures. And we we have ways that we know our people are doing that. And on that scale, it is working. It it absolutely is working because I I can measure worship by people doing it privately and publicly. I I can measure a servant's heart by you're 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 actively invested in with your time and your talent. I can measure uh, someone's a family member because they're known. They're not just seen. They're known. And when they don't call the church office, they call their community group leader, and that's how we know. And then you can measure stewardship. You can know, hey, you can't you can't outgive God. And if you are living into your identity, then that's going to overflow in your generosity. <laughs> and so we can see that people are doing that. And then I can measure if you're being a witness. Yeah. Are you bringing people? Are you engaging your neighbors? Do you have them over? And so that that is our measure for success. And I can say you know, if I were to stand before God today, that we led our people into the character of Jesus in those ways. And we're really proud of that. We're really excited to see more of that happen. But it it does get discouraging because you live in a world where the success is measured by the numbers. Mm-hmm. You are what you have. You are what people think. Mm-hmm. You are what you can do. And uh, we just try to say no to those categories and and yes to being as as faithful as we can be with the character of Christ. You know, you you talked about having different categories of givers like the anchor and 16 to 20,000 dollar gifts mm-hmm. and you give them access yeah. and they get to see the behind the scenes stuff. So, have any of those churches or individuals that gave a significant amount of money, have they come back and asked like, oh, like how many people gave their life to the Lord? You know, how have you turned Myrtle Beach upside down? Like, are they putting any kind of pressure on you like that? And how are you responding if somebody does give a significant gift and their expectation is wrong hmm. and they're expecting you to be a mega yeah, church? Here's, like, <laughs> yep. Yeah, here's here's what's funny is it's usually the churches that don't give nearly as much that want a whole lot yeah. more. <laughs> yeah. And and it's it's uh but as for just our our larger strategic partners, our sending churches, they ask the question, what is helpful? Mm. And how can we take you further faster? And I think that's why they're probably larger churches. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um is because they understand just the the weight. Uh, of it, of it all, and uh, there's not been any ridiculous requests that we've gotten because there there have been partners who I said no to because I didn't feel like we had a shared heart, and I would I would rather not be for sale than compromise the vision. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's good. Uh, that's a little bit that's on that. Good. Yes. Hey, Swab, you love right. that. Uh, <laughs> I do love that. We, we were recently <laughs> in a conversation about that very thing. Um, not being for sale. Praise God for you, Jeremy. Um, so, uh, okay. You, you as we kind of want to land this a little bit, you're very positive. Sure. Um, you say, I would say all of the right things. <laughs> um, and, and you've, you've put a lot of thought into this. You've got a, a solid resume behind you at, 
that built more and elsewhere of, of just doing a lot of great things. But I'd still love to know the negative side. You know, gotta, I got to be negative at least once. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, what, 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 yeah. what, what do you feel like you just don't have it dialed in with? Or maybe I want to do this again. I would do this over, you know, like, do you have any of those? You don't, you don't have to, you don't have to air your dirty laundry. You know, I'm not asking for more than you know, 30 seconds, but I'm just curious, you know, Hey, now we want names. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, what, what would you do again? Or what do you feel like, man, I, I just need to burn that one. I don't want to do that again. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's more of an intangible yeah. thing um, is it has to do with expectations that I had coming mm. in. And I I really thought that it was going to go faster mm-hmm. um, on those just the the numerical scorecard. Mm-hmm. I thought that we were going to get here and there were going to be, you know, 50 ready to go mission ready disciples who wanted to join and were hungry for what we're doing and it's turned out they're here we've seen Mm -hmm. it but it's just it's it's a slow labor and Mm -hmm. it takes a lot of time and i think i came from a church of seven thousand people and now i think seven campuses Mm -hmm. and so all of my categories just got exploded Mm -hmm. and that was a part of how god just really humbled me as i would and i would just say generally this is this is the posture of a church planter yeah you got to be hungry Mm -hmm. yeah you got to hustle you have to be humble Mm. and i could go on and on about how god's humbled me but uh that that expectation of pace that need for speed is just something that i don't think is is necessarily from god in most Mm -hmm. cases um, I think that's something that has been superimposed upon us uh, with by the enemy with the veneer of godliness. That's and that's I've just had to unmask and kind of disrobe that expectation and say, God, this is your church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You build it how you will, with who you will, when you will. And I'll be here preaching the gospel as faithfully as I know how along the way. That's Dude, such I'm gonna, a good answer, man. I'm gonna, yeah, it is. And I'm going to end it right there. That's just, that's a really great sort of mic drop moment of sorts that make everybody think and, and it challenges them and encourages them. So, um, hey, can I ask one practical question just yeah, real quick? Yeah, it's yeah. super quick. We don't have an office space, but you have an office space. And I'm curious, like, tell me why I need an office space. I'm in my master bedroom, by the way. In the corner of my master bedroom is my office. And Austin has um, millions of dollars at his church plant, by the way. So yeah, 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 yeah. Lots of, lots of college kids with lots of money. So, Yeah, uh, I would say we started with a residency program where we brought uh, residents with us and support raised staff with us who they basically, they raised their own salary and they, they work really hard to be invested in what we're doing. And so because of that dynamic, it was really compromising the unity mm-hmm. of our staff to be scattered all throughout the week. And so this was just something we felt like we got to invest in uh, qu- quality time through quantity of mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. And so I think it just depends on what your team looks like and how your relationship is with with your spouse and your kids while you're in your master bedroom working from home preparing a sermon i mean it's it's a part of it we did that for the first like 9 months and we just realized we need we need to come mm-hmm. together that's, oh, that's good. good that makes sense 
And again, thank you for today. This is really helpful, really challenging. Yeah, yeah though, this was fun. Thank you, guys. Yeah, no, it's good. I, I appreciate it. I, I, so I, I obviously have known you for a while, and I've heard uh, some of these stories. You use different language sometimes in different examples, but I love the consistency that I know that exists uh, in you over different seasons, different cities, um, different interviews, conversations. So this has been really, really helpful. Um, we'll, uh, we'll make sure that in the show notes, everybody knows how to find you and come visit you and send you tons and tons of dollars. So, uh, dude, love you, man. Bring Appreciate you so much, Jeremy. Love you guys. Hey, guys. Austin here. Since we launched less than two years ago, we've been connecting a shoestring budget with Planning Center and Raw Talent every week to make our worship and production work on Sundays. But honestly, we weren't getting the experience we wanted or even the experience we knew we were capable of. So we turned to Weekend Ready. Dylan and his team came in, coached us, and organized our teams, then placed us on a trajectory toward a dynamic worship experience. It wasn't a budget problem. It wasn't a planning center problem. It wasn't even a talent problem. The secret sauce was Weekend Ready's process. Our worship and production is night and day different from this time last year because of Dylan and his team. They've worked with mega churches like Central in Las Vegas and church plants like Heart and Soul in Knoxville all to get churches weekend ready. Because you listen to One Size Fits None, Weekend Ready wants to give you special pricing by using the code OSFN. So go online, fill out their connect form, and put OSFN in the subject. Then you'll receive a church planter's discount because you are a church planter. That's weekendready.com, W-K-N-D-ready.com, and code OSFN.